0: Hi, this is Eric Lawrence, Photography Assistant, and you're listening to LightSource.
1: And welcome to Episode 17 of LightSource, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net. StudioLighting.net introduces photographers to portrait and studio
2: lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher and I'm Ed Hidden Exclusive Photographer and Image Inspector with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we're going to speak with Eric Lawrence, who is a photographer's assistant for David Tejada that we spoke to on way back on episode 9. So, it'll be interesting getting a perspective from uh, an assistant's point of view. Yeah, something a little different this time. Yeah, it's uh kind of interesting to hear what what they have to do as a as a profession. to to help photographers get to what they need to to produce absolutely but before we get into that um anything new going on with you bill doing any shooting lately um yeah i've been
1: shooting a little bit i had a nice holiday weekend so i took my camera everywhere i went and uh i had kind of a cool day the other day with uh the setting sun as a backlight for some stuff that i was shooting that was kind of fun. That makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, actually, it was a little bit of a challenge though. I was unhappy with the things that my camera's meter was telling me was the proper exposure, and I was kind of getting frustrated. And I tried a couple different meter modes, and then I turned my flash on. Ah. And I uh, that worked out really well.
2: Yeah, that's. Uh, I find that I end up lately. I've been shooting with um, my flash on. A lot of times outdoors, regardless of backlight situation or anything. Yeah, it made a huge difference. The images
1: just looked hundred percent better. So it turns out that uh, lighting comes in handy even outdoors.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: How about you? Have you been shooting much?
2: Um, a little bit. Not anything like um, you know, stock portfolio type or anything like that. I've been doing some some eBay shooting for some things that I got to post on on there and um, I've been doing a little bit of playing with HDR. Oh cool. Um, For people that aren't familiar with that HDR stands for high dynamic range and basically what you do is you take multiple exposures of a scene and load them into Photoshop using the the merge to HDR um, plugin and what it does is it creates one image, one 32-bit image From multiple exposures right and then when you save it down to an 8-bit image or a 16-bit image you have control of how you want to compress all of that exposure data and you can kind of get a you can you can really expand the latitude of your digital exposures that way I've seen some really neat stuff with HDR I think it's pretty exciting i've seen some bad stuff too. yeah well so. it
1: can it can be unnatural if you're not careful but uh, i think with the right touch you know just a little bit of it it
2: can it can really improve your images certainly and and that's why that's why i say i'm experimenting with it right now so we'll we'll see where this goes for the for future work but you'll
1: have to add some of your experiments to our uh, light source group so we can check out what you're what
2: you're working on yeah i'll stick one of my uh images my first good images that i was playing around with uh, actually one of the ebay images of a motorcycle i'm gonna be selling so okay i'll stick that in there very good oh other stuff i uh, just got back uh, the other last week i took a trip to new york for a day oh, that's right and had a chance to meet up with clayinos hanging out we with clay. interviewed way back on episode four how was that that was cool that was really cool actually getting to to put a face to the voice
1: it clay was a lot of fun
2: he was he was a lot of fun and he's even more fun in person.
1: That's great. Now you had a couple of pictures
2: in your Flickr feed uh, from that day, so it's... yeah, I stuck a little something up in the discussion group too about uh, some of the pictures. So if you if you remember Clay's interview, go ahead and check it out on in our Flickr group, and uh, maybe we'll put some of them in the show notes of today's episode, so you can find them a little bit easier too. Yeah, definitely. Now, were you
1: just uh, were you guys just hanging out, or was there photography involved?
2: Well, he was actually working. Cool. So, I uh, went to B&H Photo, and then, you know, took a walk around and went over to where he was shooting, and it's kind of like uh, eavesdropped a little bit in the background and watched him do a little bit of his stuff. And they had a full set of, you know, makeup person, a hair person, <laughs> wardrobe, uh, art directors from the agency that had contracted him, copywriters. Uh, they had a digital person that was there. That um, <laughs> digital person. That's what he was basically. He was working the workstation that his camera was tethered to. Oh wow! So as as Clay's shooting with his Hasselblad, all of the images are popping up on this uh, dual screen G five, and the the copywriter, the art director, uh, Clay, and his assistant are all sitting there looking at this at this uh, large LCD screen and deciding what they needed to do for the next shot. That's neat. Yeah, it's it's really it's a far cry from the days when I was doing art directing and and you do a couple Polaroids, and then you get everything kind of working right, and then you go into shooting film. So it's right. It's interesting seeing the progression of uh, of digital in a professional environment. Yeah, So all we need is a, a couple of
1: widescreen LCDs for your basement, and we're in good shape. <laughs>
2: we're working on that.
1: <laughs> Speaking of shooting, and in particular for you, did you see the news about Canon? Uh, Yeah, that they're taking a break from film. Yeah, that was an interesting way to put it, I thought. (laughs) At first it came out that they were going to totally stop making film cameras, and then they they kind of backed off on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's well, I mean, you see these news reports everywhere from, you know, Nikon to Kodak. It doesn't surprise me. No, me either. It's a a natural evolution, I think, of of picture taking. Speaking of evolution, I had heard that this was actually going to happen, and... I dismissed it and said, "Nah, it'll never happen." But I was at the drugstore the other day picking up some allergy medicine, and I'm at the counter and I look to my right, and you know they have like the little one-time-use cameras and some other stuff and rolls of film and batteries and everything. And right beside there is a package of new SanDisk memory cards, and they're called Shoot and Store Memory. Hmm. So for nine ninety-nine, you can get a compact flash card or SD card. 64 megabytes and it advertises that it holds about 100 images. I'm going to assume they're talking about um uh, like a 3 megapixel camera or something like that, right? And they're marketing it as an archival format. You shoot, once the card's filled, you tuck it away in your drawer or your safe and you buy a new card. No kidding. Almost like film. Almost exactly like film. And I heard prices were going to get down low enough that People would consider using it as an archive format, and well, looks like Sandisk is here with it. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. (laughs) I mean, I'm not either, but you know, with all the articles that you hear recently about um, the shelf life of CD media, their their timing might be right. That's a good point, and also the convenience of just
1: sort of uh, you know, dumping them off your camera and then putting that disc somewhere versus you know, having the forethought to actually make a DVD archive or copy it to multiple discs. I mean, some, myself included, uh, a lot of times I think we're just kind of lazy about our,
2: our archival. And uh, the easier it is, the better, I think. I see this as really being marketed towards um, towards people that are not very PC literate. Um, people that, you know, they buy the digital camera and they're like, well, now what do I do? You know, my, my card's filled up. Well, instead of trying to give someone an explanation of how to go through a whole archival process, it's like, well, just go buy a new card. Exactly,
1: and and you know they have them in the right place. You're at the at the uh, drugstore there by the counter. That's the kind of people that you're going to probably get. So, pretty interesting.
2: Kind of funny. CF memory as an impulse buy. That's right. <laughs> who'd have, Who'd have thought? They kept telling me it was going to happen, but I I didn't believe them. Speaking of progress,
1: I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but I saw that um, Microsoft was talking about a new image format.
2: (laughs) Do we really need another one?
1: I don't think so. I'm pretty happy with the ones that we have, but, uh, you know, Microsoft, any chance they get to uh, sort of lock something down. So I guess every time you save things, it'll be some annoying default to a Windows photo file or something like that.
2: I think it's it's called a Windows Media Photo. It's going to use a WDP file extension, which I don't get how they came up. Well, I guess Windows Digital Photo. Yeah, it sounds like a hassle to me. Yeah, it's it sounds like a huge hassle. I think because I doubt that they'll open on any other platform. <laughs> Yeah, proprietary anything is a bad idea. I Well, everyone's trying to move raw towards an open format. Right, and I think that's the way we need to go. I, I, I completely agree. So, Well, it's going to be in Vista, which isn't even planned to come out yet, so maybe we'll be lucky and they'll back off of that plan. Yeah, I hope you're right. Speaking of new stuff, um, you had posted a story on uh, Studio Lighting about the new DVD from Shoot Smarter.
1: Yes, I'm excited about this DVD. This is the third in a series of DVDs on lighting that ShootSmarter.com has put out, and you and I have both reviewed the first two, and I love I, them. I really, really enjoyed them a lot. And the other cool thing about this DVD is that um, it's it's hosted by Christopher Gray, who we spoke with on a on an earlier episode of Light Source not too long ago.
2: Yeah, he was on a recent one.
1: Yeah, and he's very good at communicating lighting concepts uh i think you and i both agreed that we got an education that night oh certainly so i i think this dvd is going to be outstanding and i'm really excited about it so if you get a chance head on over to studio and we've got some links over to shoot smarter to the uh, product page for that dvd and there is uh there's a little possibility that we might be having a bit of a contest relating to that dvd in the in the near future as well so listen up a teaser there yeah we'll see what we
2: can come up with cool so all right well up next we have our interview with eric lawrence the photo assistant of david tejada that we interviewed on episode nine and we got a little bit of a peek into what it's like to be a model and a
1: backpacker and all the other things that come with being a photography assistant so
2: yeah so as you're as you're listening to this show try and think back to episode nine and and, uh it's kind of interesting seeing some of these uh, very similar stories told from a a different point of view absolutely let's check it out (laughs) on this edition of the lake source we have with us tonight Eric Lawrence now Eric Lawrence uh, we came to Eric Lawrence through uh, an interview we had with uh, David Tejada and Eric works as an assistant for David Tejada and I get the sense that he does a lot more than just that so uh, let's get into it and talk with him about it thanks for being on the show Eric
0: Uh, thank you guys Looking forward to talking to you.
2: So now you're a ph- uh, photographer's assistant. Correct. Now is that your is that your main profession?
0: It is. Uh, I do a little shooting on the side uh, occasionally. David will throw me a bone, something he can't do or the budget's just not there to pique his interest, and uh, I'll pick up on those shooting jobs. But for the most part, yes, I'm am an assistant.
2: And what exactly does an assistant do on a shoot?
0: Um. Well, when working with David, it's uh, typically. Entitles going to go into some some place that is uh, heavy industry, whether it's mining or uh, oil and gas. I'm usually carrying a lot of heavy gear.
2: <laughs> so strong back is a good work uh, requirement. Strong
0: back, absolutely. If you're going to be a location guy or uh, location assistant, uh, you're usually going to carry at least about forty-five pounds on you at all times. Wow! Wow! And you know, every, everywhere you go, you got this backpack on with all your camera equipment. And usually a lighting kit or something in one of your hands. It allows the photographer to have his camera on a tripod and be free to set it down at any time, and I have to worry about equipment. I'm just the mule. I'm the Sherpa. <laughs>
2: I was, was going to say you're like the Sherpa.
0: I am the Sherpa.
2: <laughs>
0: so when you
1: when you arrive at a location, uh, obviously you guys would, would scout together and figure out kind of, do you get a game plan going and then...
0: Yeah, we do. It's usually uh, on location, it's a very long day starting at sunrise. And it's tough to get anybody to meet us out where we don't know where we're going to be or what we're going to shoot. We're usually just given a location by a client and told to, you know, go photograph our assets. Um, Dave and I will show up there before sunrise and get situated. And uh, he typically wants something in the shot to give it a sense of scale and usually that's me okay (laughs) unrecognizable little guy in the corner i'm like fine waldo in there somewhere (laughs)
1: so when there's a lack of uh of subjects from the corporation or whatever it's it's uh it's eric
0: yes yes and it's often the case it's uh, sometimes it's just too much hassle to let's try to track somebody down get them to climb this ladder and the truth is they're not going to be recognizable anyways we carry different clothes with us to uh you know, make sure we always look different, so you don't have the same guy in the same yellow coat in every shot. Right. And, um, but you know, when you're so small in the shot, nobody can tell who you are, and you're you're just given a sense of scale. And occasionally, I I show up a little bigger, but that's usually not a, not not too much of a problem.
2: Okay, so we we have part Sherpa, part model.
0: <laughs>
2: now, obviously, you must do some photography as well.
0: I do. Um, when I get a chance, I. I like to shoot. Uh, I like to shoot the same kinds of things uh, in a heavy industry. Um, I I have a studio background. When I went to school, I I learned primarily uh, studio photography, and it wasn't until after I graduated that I realized there was this whole other world of photography that took you, you know, for for us all over the country, um, into all kinds of different industry. It it just seemed so much more exciting to me. It was a better fit for me. I do enjoy the studio stuff, but... uh, you know, being on location is just it's where it's at for me.
1: Now, like Ed said, you're part model, part Sherpa, but surely there's some other things that go into being an assistant. What's it like when you're actually uh, setting up for a shoot? Are you the guy that places the lights and and stuff like that too?
0: Yes, if we're lighting something, um, the photographer will typically tell you, "Look, I want. Uh, let's get a softbox over here. Camera right. A fill card on the other side. Um, you know, maybe a background light." Whatever the situation calls for, and you just kind of start piling up these these things in your head, thinking, just thinking to yourself, okay, I got to put a light over here, a fill card over here, and do this, and you just start going at it as quickly and and accurately as possible. Get things to where the photographer can step in, move the light a little bit to where he wants it to get just the light he's looking for, and you know your job's never done as an assistant, even when you're shooting, you're you're watching the photographer, you're trying to anticipate his needs, his or her needs, I suppose. And uh, I should say that it's changed immensely with the advent of digital. Really, The job as an assistant used to entail counting exposures or loading film or uh, timing Polaroids or, uh, you know, going and buying film or going to the lab. All that's gone away. So now, typically, I'll look at, uh, like, David's camera. The memory cards he uses are pretty large. He gets 100 and something shots on there. So I'll just check it every once in a while, maybe before starting another set i'll tell him you know you only have so and so shots left on that card maybe we should change it now but it used to be with film you know you were counting 36 exposures so that your photographer wasn't shooting blanks at the end of his role and that's like i said it's pretty much gone away
1: wow but you're still it sounds like you still play a really critical role so that the photographer is kind of free to be creative and not have to worry about a lot of the technical issues
0: absolutely um and also in some of the environments we go to um it's important when when your photographer's looking through the camera that that you're looking around and watching watching his back okay. um, there's a lot of trucks moving around and other things like that and uh, there have definitely been situations where i've had to say oh watch out here comes a you know here comes a car <laughs> here comes a 125 ton haul pack
2: <laughs> i could have used you the other week
0: oh yeah did you almost run into a haul pack <laughs>
2: um it was a big truck coming down the street
1: close enough. <laughs> Now, when it comes to lighting, uh, it sounds to me like you need to almost know as much as a photographer because, you know, you guys sometimes are on the other side of a room or even on the other side of an oil field. I mean, how, how much technical knowledge is required for an assistant in your position?
0: Well, you know, the, the photographers, it, being an assistant is pretty diverse, and different photographers will demand different things of the assistant. And, of course, that's always important to know what it is your photographer wants from you. Um, some of them won't, won't allow you to touch their lights or their camera. Um, others insist on you do everything. Uh, so it's mostly about knowing what your photographer wants. I've been working with David long enough that when when he gives me instructions on lights, I know that I'm going to set them up in the general area where he's talking about, but then he's going to come in with his steady hand and put that light just where he wants it, and well, then we're going to look at the at the the what used to be a right now we're going to look at the back of the camera and uh, (laughs) maybe move a light a little bit, and I'm usually out on set to do that. Um, If he says, move that softbox back two feet, I'm right there doing it. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely hands-on with the lights, and uh, we use a number of different lighting systems, so I have to know each of those systems and how to operate them and get get the photographer what he wants.
2: Now, is the goal with going into assisting... To, to gain experience to become you know a photographer on your own, or is it like kind of like a
0: it is a stepping stone that's how I intend it. I've been assisting a lot longer than I, I thought I would. I've, I really pictured myself just assisting for a year or two and then going out and starting to shoot on my own uh, and that hasn't happened for a number of reasons, one of which is just assisting is such a good fit for me. I enjoy it. Um, it's what's afforded me the opportunity to travel all over the country all over North America, really, um, from Alaska to Florida to Los Angeles and New York, things I would have been years from doing as a photographer, most likely, and getting to experience this, these things as an assistant is also much less stressful for you than it is the photographer. client doesn't <laughs> really even know who I am. And right. It's not going to be my problem if there's a problem. So <laughs> very low stress. That's a good point. Yet you reap the rewards, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, it's, just, it's been a great fit for me. I do see it as a stepping stone, and uh, as I create my own images more and more, and I've got this working portfolio. In fact, I'm quite ready now to uh, get a web page up and start making calls and get out there and shoot. That's but good. I'm not ready to tell David yet that I don't want to travel with him anymore. So <laughs> we have well, a we lot want to, of fun.
2: We won't tell him when the show comes out.
1: <laughs> so do you take? I mean, do you take notes? or are you? Are you got to be learning like crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing what I've thought I knew and what I learned um, compared to being in school. Like I said, when there are the things you learn in school as far as uh, the science of photography. And uh, unfortunately for me, I learned a lot of darkroom techniques that shortly after I graduated all went the way of the dodo for the most part. <laughs> I think I spent about a year in the darkroom learning things that I'll just never use again.
2: Well, you'll still use them. They're just inside of a digital box now.
0: Well, yeah, to some extent, a lot of the, the theory still remains. But, you know, the physical, the physical aspects of what developers to use and temperatures and agitation and printing right. and all these things that I spend a lot of time doing, are, we just don't do it anymore. Even pushing and pulling transparency film, which was a big part of school for me. Um, like I say, once I got out of school, graduated, a lot of that went away. But that working knowledge certainly did help me to get assisting jobs and it continues to help me as a shooter as well
1: what what kind of experience do you get then when you're on location is it is it more business end of things and just practical application
0: well I've really learned that you can't you just can't take all day to get the shot you got to do it you got to do it quick you've got to show up assess the situation and shoot it using what means are available you know on location we don't have models um we don't even have a controlled situation you know it might be dark and dusty and you know especially in a place like underground you know you just don't know what you're going to get into (laughs) um and once once you're there it's you know you got to be able to shoot from the hip and do it quickly you don't want to waste people's time and uh that's part of the reason why I, i often end up in the shots just because hey that guy's too busy operating the crane you know I mean, right. i'll have to do it you know as a, as an assistant on location uh taking care of the gear is a big thing you, know, you got to keep it covered especially in the, the dirtier places you can't just leave cases open and and uh cameras with without their lenses on you just have to be aware of those things it's uh it's, it's a very different world no matter where you're going you just never know until you get there what it's going to be like
2: it sounds like it's a pretty uh fun career i tend to find that uh I work best in situations like that, so.
0: I've kind of started to learn that about myself, too, um, that if, if you're pushing me, I'll probably do better. If you give me all day in the studio to shoot a widget, then I'll probably take all day to shoot. It. <laughs> <But> <laughs> now, if, you know, if you're telling me I got to do it in the next five minutes, then somehow I'll manage to do it.
2: Now, you've mostly talked about assisting on location. Um, do you do much assisting in studio as well?
0: Um, I do occasionally. I used to do a lot more than I do now. Um, there's still uh, one or two photographers that I work with a couple times a year here in town. Um, in fact, last week I was working with, with a photographer in the studio, and uh, it was one of the times I was re- got, realizing this is just so much more different. You go from carrying weight on location and, like I say, all these to these different environments to uh, answering phones, uh, going and getting lunch, <laughs> moving an object on the table an inch and a half while the photographer's looking through the camera, you know. It's just, it's a totally different animal. It's Uh completely different. And even going on location with someone who is normally a studio photographer, you know, somebody who does most of their work in the studio, but pretty much everybody goes on location at some point or another. That's a totally different beast than assisting on location somebody who's normally on location. You know, when you're taking Speedatron things on location with you, that's a lot different than carrying little tiny Dynolite packs and Lumidynes. Right. But there are definitely some very uh, big differences between studio and location. Also, the, you know, in the studio, you'll also find yourself entertaining clients, you know, making sure that they have what they need. And sometimes you'll find a studio full of 10 people and you don't know who most of them are. You don't know who's a client, who's an art director, who's a, you know, who's from the design part. You just don't know, you know, hopefully figure it out and try to keep the name straight and don't call somebody <laughs> something they're not. <laughs> now I was just going to ask
1: a couple of practical questions when you're on location. And, then, and like, you know, you mentioned that sometimes you guys are in completely unexpected situations and, how do you communicate with a photographer? Is it all visual or do you guys have like a sign language worked out? (laughs) How does that work?
0: Uh, well, we're usually right next to each other up to, up until we see what the shot is going to be. Okay. And then we can either have a quick powwow and I can be told, "Now, what I want you to do is you see that ladder there on that silo. I want you to climb up to the fourth tier of that and look out to the right when you get up there. Okay, That's one way to do it. Um, what we've done in recent years, and I know what David has done over the years, is carry walkie-talkies. Oh, nice. And now we have these nifty little earpieces. I can put an earpiece in my ear. I can go 100 yards away, climb that ladder, and hear David in my ear say, now look to the right, look to the left, point out, you know, do this, do that, and it works great. It works wonderfully, especially when we're in a very loud environment, uh, like a mill, or we've got big trucks going by, or whatever. Communication is very important. We do some hand signals, but not a lot. It usually just ends up turning into something that looks like two Italians arguing from a distance. (laughs) (laughs) We have no idea what we're telling each other. So walkie-talkies and then, you know, the the tripod powwow. That's great. Go do it.
2: tripod powwow. I love that. Yeah,
0: that is cool. Uh, It's also common that uh, the photographer will communicate through me to another subject using the walkie-talkie. So I might actually be out there holding a fill card on the subject and David saying into my ear, tell him to look right, tell him to look left, tell him to crouch down and push the button, you know, turn the wheel, do whatever. Okay. Um, So that's another part of the communication to the subject through me.
2: So now all these years of working with different photographers, have you picked up any tips or tricks that are things that stand out in your mind as something that's been like, wow, that was really cool to know?
0: Yes. And it works the other way too, where you look at. Some, something and say, boy, I'm never going to do it that way. <laughs> but, but yeah, you do. You you pick up on the techniques that you really like. You know, for example, I've shot with studio guys who the, uh, the technique I've learned is set a single light up, shoot your Polaroid, get that, or, or take a look at what that light is doing, and then add lights and keep looking at what's happening. Um, you know, when I was in school and when I first started shooting, I would just put all my lights up and would start shooting. I never really stopped to think let 's see what just this light is doing, right, and like I said that 's one of those things that i didn 't learn in school. I learned it pretty quickly after getting out of school, and then you know there are still there are photographers I work with out there that still shoot the way I shot when I was in school, so yeah, there are definitely techniques that you learn um, nowadays, like one of the big things I learned from David is how to manage files i mean you have you come back from a job and you have so many shots and so many things to go through, and how do you manage all that and that's one of the things I find myself craving knowledge for now is how do you manage all these files? And that's kind of where I am now. Just trying to learn more of the business part and less of the shooting part.
1: Okay. Well, it really sounds like you've benefited a lot from, from this position. Is this something you would recommend other photographers coming out of school or going from hobby to professional that they should look for this type of situation before they go pro themselves?
0: I, it's worked for me, although you know, like I said, I've been assisting a lot longer than I thought I would. Um, you know, the Denver market, where I am, is is going to be a lot more different than New York or San Francisco or Chicago or Miami. Um, Denver's a pretty small market. There are a few photographers here in town that get the best work. Um, I've tried to work for those guys and learn from them because I intend on staying here in this market. But uh, assisting, I think, is a a necessity for anybody who wants to be a shooter, um, especially a a good shooter, Look, unless you're just a complete prodigy with the camera. And those people are out there. Those people are definitely out there that need very little education at all. They're just a natural with the camera and know how to use it. But for me, it's definitely been a, a learning experience uh, from a lot of different photographers picking up different techniques. But uh, I think it's definitely necessary as a as a transition piece to become a photographer.
1: That's great. Can you think of like one particular piece of lighting equipment that you really love to work with, or uh, you know, like a modifier or something that you just can't, you know, you love to get out of the bag and use?
0: You know, David bought these SB 800s not too long ago, and it's been kind of fun. Anytime you get a new tool learning that tool and what it's capable of and what it can do. And for me, and I'm pretty sure for him, we continue to be surprised at, at what these SP-800s can do. And a big part of that for me is that they're very light and small. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I to I know, I know what Eric out, <laughs> <laughs> When I know we're going out with the SP-800s, I know that we're going to be pretty lightweight. But it also means we're going to be fast and on our toes. So, you know, they are limited in what you can do with them. But for now, it's the sp 800 um, I definitely like Lumidynes as well, another battery operated system that comes with all the bells and whistles or, or can, you can get all the bells and whistles, all the light modifiers for it. And those are fun, but I usually like it. If we're using grids, then I usually like the shot for some reason grid. I love grid light.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I have to agree. It's I'm sure portable lighting is really important for you guys. I mean, you, you, you got to move your stuff constantly and there's not all these power supplies and stuff. So. Yeah, and most of your lighting equipment would be, would be battery powered or something
0: like that right absolutely um, you know we've experimented with a lot of different things, even these uh one million candle power hunting flashlights okay uh, we've we've even used those we've gone on location with a couple of those and had to paint a scene on a long exposure or even headlights you know we've used headlights from cars to light an oil rig. And all those techniques you just learn, you learn them on, okay? You can't plug into the wall and get 2,000 watt seconds out of your speedotrons when you're out in the middle of a mining pit.
2: Yeah, it does make it a little difficult. <laughs> Thank you. Well, should we do some rapid fire questions, Bill?
1: Yeah, I think that would be fun. Are you up for some uh, of some our traditional rapid fire questions? Sure. <laughs> okay.
0: I think I can handle it.
2: All right. What would be your favorite website?
0: I love to just do a search on photographers. Uh, I like to pick a city and say Miami photographers, and then just go visit photographers' websites. That is fun. It is. I just I love it. It's just you, you discover a lot of good work, a lot of bad work, and it's it's a really neat way to see other people's work.
2: I, I think I wasted two hours doing that last night.
0: Yep, that happens to me all the time. How about
1: what's your favorite light modifier?
0: Oh, my favorite light mo- light modifier would have to be the grid.
2: Uh, favorite magazine?
0: Favorite magazine would have to be Shutterbug.
2: Okay. Uh, favorite non-photo-related magazine?
0: Uh, that would be Guitar One.
2: Uh-oh. That sounds
1: cool. How about being that you're a uh, globetrotter like David, with David, what's your favorite location? What's been your favorite location to shoot?
0: Uh, I would have to say anything that's below the helicopter we're in. I love it when we're in a helicopter. If we're in a helicopter, I'm having a blast. (laughs) That would be cool. I love it being in helicopters.
2: You've been in some really cool locations. How about your favorite dream assignment that you haven't had yet?
0: Oh, well, the obvious answer is Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition (laughs) Photographer. There you go. (laughs) As long as you're dreaming, why not? In which city? I'd have to say somewhere in the caribbean or uh, <laughs> south pacific there you go uh, that i haven't been Anyways, you know um, i we've been up to anchorage and alaska was wonderful i just loved it up there alaska was beautiful and i'd go there for free tomorrow if someone offered to send me
1: so if anyone out there is going to alaska and needs a great assistant eric we'll we'll give him your email address <laughs> There you go. <laughs> now um when we talked with david after the interview we were chatting a little bit and uh he mentioned <laughs> he mentioned uh, another assistant. We were wondering if you knew him uh, that he uses sometimes. His name is Billy Bob.
0: Ah, you, Billy Bob. <laughs> do you know
1: anything about that?
0: That guy, he can pop up anywhere. I'll tell you what.
1: <laughs> can you tell our listeners what what uh, what we're laughing at?
0: Well, Billy Bob was uh, David and I were in New Orleans on Halloween um, shooting for an oil company. It just so happened we were staying in New Orleans on Halloween night. We thought, well, let's go down check out things on bourbon street and we ran into a costume shop there and they had those billy bob teeth <laughs> just all kinds of different billy bob teeth and i bought some there because i'd had a friend that had some and put them in once and and i just i just died laughing um, i found some fortunately they, they fit my face perfect i put my hat on a little crooked and now when i have to stand in on a photograph which you're always doing as an assistant, you know, step in, let's see how the lighting is and all that. I usually will throw in my Billy Bob teeth just to to put Billy Bob somewhere else. He's been everywhere. <laughs> he's been in front of the statue, and he's been everything. He's operated cranes, and he's That's great. Know, He's a fisherman. and he's, he's, <laughs> it's, it's just a, a fun way for me to get out in front of the camera and do something a little humorous. And That's cool. we have worked up quite an archive of Billy Bob photos.
2: I, I think we need a Billy Bob website, or at the very least, a Billy Bob Flickr group. Oh, yeah, we need. To, you'll, you'll have to send us a,
1: one of the examples. That sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, David's been talking about a, a coffee table book, maybe uh, <laughs> something you can put in <laughs> dental offices to make there you know go. about your own <laughs> situation.
2: Yeah, scare little kids and stuff. <laughs> now, there might be a concept there. You might have to work on that one, Eric.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's basically a, an Austin Powers with, with bad teeth.
2: Well, we've had
1: a really good time talking with you. Really appreciate uh, the time you took to be with us on the show. Uh, but thank you.
0: Thank you, guys. I've enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I hope your listeners get something out of it. Keep listening to LightSource. I love it.
1: Thanks a lot, Eric. That's all we have for this episode of LightSource, the brightest podcast on the Internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for links to the things that we talked about on today's show.
2: And there you'll also find links to our photography and kind of keep up on some of the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't
1: forget you can send us questions or feedback about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com.
2: And we'll either try to answer those questions on the show or on the forum in the Lighting's question section.
1: Or you can get feedback on your photos at our new Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Until next time. Take care.
2: Well, um, uh, Bill, we, we should be getting into this interview, shouldn't we? Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Um, that that was a lame (laughs) turn. We suck. Well, um, we have a great uh how long have we talked tonight, Bill? Should probably whistle and then just go right into it. <laughs> <laughs> we need like a little tone that says, alright, bing, you guys are done.
1: Yeah, somebody cutting in from the from the studio, like, okay guys. Oh wait, a minute. I got it hear Interview in 10.
2: Alright guys, uh it's time to get on to the interview. <laughs> well
1: that's our cue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm going to use that